Here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballin in one of the Sunday morning services. As we have been doing the series on Christian character, we are on the second day today. Last week we gave an introduction to the topic of Christian character. And today we are going to talk about one of the pillars of Christian character called faith. One of the pillars of Christian characters called faith. So that's what we are going to deal with this morning, a couple of minutes. So I just want to you know, quickly give an overview, a highlight of what we spoke last week. Last week we were trying to give an introduction, we were trying to define what is character. So we found out character is what we are in the dark. You know, when no one is watching us, no one is seeing us, how do we behave? That's what is the real character of us. And we also talked about change is inevitable. Everything is changing. We talked about medically how our body changes every moment. As we spoke and as we are here seated here, our body is capable of producing millions of cells and at the same time millions of cells die in our body. Change is a real sign of life. So God expects us to change. That change is not just an ordinary change. If we are here and you know, Jesus is somewhere here and God expects us to change to the image of Christ. So it's not going to happen just all of a sudden. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes prayer. It takes word with the help of the Holy Spirit. We also talked about character determining our legacy, what we are going to leave when we are gone from this world. People are not going to tell, talk about you know, how, how financially, how sound we were, but people are going to, going to talk about the good things that we have done. The good characters of us going to stay back. We also talked about heritage. Character determines our heritage. What we are planning to leave for our children, a good example, model, so that they can follow us. Character is also going to define our destiny. We also talked about true character really starts from inside out. Really starts from inside. There are many character development programs. They outwardly, they work on our lives, trying to make us a good person, good individual. But they cannot do anything in the inside. Only his word and the Holy Spirit can move inside of our heart that we talked about. And we also said trials are not really going to make character, but trials are going to exhibit our character. Now when we go through a trouble, the way we react, the way we respond is going to define who we are, what we are. But God also makes use of the opportunity of us going through the trial and he is trying to get something good, good out of that situation. We also told that we can develop godly character by a couple of ways, a couple of means. With the help of the scripture, we said, controlling our thoughts, practicing Christian qualities, Christian virtues, guarding our heart, and keeping good company. These are all some of the helps that you know, the word of God is offering, that the Christian environment is offering to us, so that we can develop good characters within us. We also talked about some of the practical challenges that we have today which will not really allow us to develop good character in us, in, in, in us, the first challenge, first practical difficulty that we have today is ourselves. We don't allow our character to be changed. You know, sometimes it happens out of ignorance. 
Sometimes we come out with our own ideas. You know, but sometimes we, we, are, we, are, we are here, but we are not willing to learn. We are not willing to learn from the word of God. You know, all these things will prevent us developing good characters in our lives. Finally, we also talked about a couple of tools. They will really help us to develop character in us. One is the word of God. The other one is the Holy Spirit. You know, when we assimilate word of God in our hearts, when we allow the agent, the Holy Spirit, to work in our lives, you know, as we take, take the word of God so deep in our hearts, it has an ability, because the word of God is a seed, it has an ability to transform our lives, to change our lives with the help of the Holy Spirit. So these are a couple of aspects that we talked about last week. And this morning, we are going to take the subject further, and we are going to talk about number one pillar of Christian character called faith. And before we do that, I just want to you know, go to the next slide. Before we do that, I have come out with a couple of biblical convictions of Christian character. You know, I don't want to just preach the sermons and leave. I want to see characters developing within us. You know, when I spoke last sermon, last week, you know, we both were sitting and discussing. Uh, we, me and my wife, we were sitting and discussing. And she pointed out, this is what you spoke in the sermon. And you need to follow that first. Right? So the change is happening within us. Change is starting happening, started happening, you know, within, even within our family. So I want that change to happen in every one of our lives as we take this topic further. So what we are going to do is, we are going to read these biblical convic convictions of Christian characters together this morning. So all of us are going to read this together. As we read, we really mean it. Shall we start doing this? Number one, let's, let's continue, let's start reading this. Number one, the Bible is the inspired word of God and the final authority in my life. Number two, my purpose in life is to love God and to order my life around his priorities. Number three, my body is the temple of God and I must not defile it. Number four, my church correctly teaches me the foundational truths of the Bible. Number five, my children are gifts from God and I develop godly character in them. Number six, my actions must never weaken the spiritual conviction of others. My marriage is a lifelong commitment to God and my spouse. My money is given by God to manage faithfully and wisely. I don't own it. My words must be in harmony with God's word. I'm accountable. My affections should be set on things above, not on things of the earth. We are going to read this every Sunday as we continue to, you know, take us, as we are taken through the, you know, this sermon series. So these are our convictions. So with this conviction, we are going to you know, get further in this topic. We are talking about Christian characters. So I want to introduce to you eight pillars of Christian characters. You know, if I dig into the word of God and try to figure out how many good characters the scripture is talking about, someone says it is 66 good characters that word of God is talking about. And I don't think we have time to talk about all the 66 characters. So I found, identified a couple of key characters Probably they will pretty much cover all the other characters. So these are the eight pillars of Christian characters. Faith, humility, obedience, love, forgiveness, joy, compassion, and contentment. So these are the eight pillars of Christian characters. And very sure this morning we are going to talk about the pillar number one called faith. Faith. 
You know, God expects this attitude within our hearts. The first attitude that we want to see in our lives is faith. Trusting in God. You know, today we are living in an age where people don't really trust God. People do not trust God anymore. You know, at times they do all the other things, but when it comes to the matter of trusting God, we see many of us falling apart. You know, at times we speak about, we think about the promises that God has given to us. God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will bless the work of your hands. I will not put any of the diseases that, I, that came upon the Egyptians. I am your healer. Now there are many promises that God spoke. But if we do not have faith to inherit those promises into our lives, they are just written letters. They don't mean anything more than that. So faith is an element that you and I need to have. It is the very basis of Christianity. You know, today Christianity is standing on the basis of faith. If we take the element faith out of Christianity, it's nothing. Zero. At least all the other religions, they have an image at least in front of them for them to come and see. Oh, you are God, Mr. God? Christianity, we don't have anything. We just follow Jesus by faith. So faith is a very crucial element for you and me today. You know, we believe in, we believe in an unseen God by faith. We have never seen God yet. Sometimes we hear, you know, get the glimpse of heaven, we hear the voice, but we have not seen God yet in the fullness. But we believe in him because by faith. Scripture says in Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. The Genesis 1 becomes so real to us only if we have faith. All the verses that we see in Hebrew 11, they become so real to our lives only if we have faith. By faith, everything happens in our lives. When we are, we are saved, that happened by faith. We did not hear a voice from heaven or we did not hear an angel coming down from heaven when we, are saved, when we were saved by faith. When we were baptized, we decided to take that step by faith. When we received the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we received it by faith. Everything happens in our lives by faith. We have a blessed hope for eternity. That's by faith. You know, that's the reason the writer of Hebrews says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Without faith. You know, faith becomes a key element of a Christian. So that's the reason we are talking about faith being a Christian character. You know, faith is a genuine character of a child of God. When we come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we come unto him knowing that he is God. He is my savior. He gave his life for me. We do that. We are able to do that only by faith. So faith becomes a basic, genuine character of any Christian. Faith also shows the amount of trust we have in God. Now how much we trust God that is seen by the amount of faith that we hold today. You know, our faith level varies. Our faith level varies at times. 
At times our faith level comes so low. At times we are at the mountaintop. Again, we are back to the valley. Our faith level goes up and down. But our faith clearly tells us how much we trust in our God. Now here we are talking about faith being a fruit of the Spirit, not the faith that comes as a gift of the Holy Spirit. We are talking about fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness or faith as KJV puts it. Faith or faithfulness, we are talking about that faith as it becomes part of the fruit of the Spirit, character of any good Christian. We are not talking about the faith that is required to move the mountains, but we are talking about the faith to move towards Christ-likeness. You know, one day, the expectation of God is that we will all become, we will all be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the reason Paul says, be imitators of Lord Jesus. You know, that's the reason God is working in our lives. You know, that's how God is changing in our lives. You know, every time, every day, every month, every year, when you turn back and see how much change you have gone through in your life. Just one simple reason, one simple reason is God is transforming us to become, to be the image of Christ. You know, faith really helps us in many different ways. Faith helps us to walk over the difficulties. There are many difficult moments in our lives. When we go through difficulties in our lives, when we go through questions and confusions in our lives, Word of God is encouraging us to hold on to that faith. Because that's very important. If you don't hold on to your faith, you'll be shattered. You will be shattered. You know, faith also helps us to set our eyes upon Lord Jesus because he's the one who walked before us. He's the only one model we are talking about. We are not talking about any human here. We are talking about only the divine, only one who walked before us. He's the only one we can follow, nobody else. All that we can do is we can just point to the cross. When someone comes, we can all that tell them is, you know, the one who died for, died for you is Lord Jesus Christ. The faith helps us to set our eyes upon Lord Jesus. At times when we are weak, when we pray, faith level rises within us and we become bold. You know, that's how we continue our Christian life. It's not easy. If I ask, brother, dear brother and sister, how you are going through your Christian life last 23 years, it was not just an easy path. It was not easy at all. In our lives, it's not easy. In your lives, it's not easy. It's very tough. It's ups and downs. But as long as we hold on to that faith, that little faith that we have, God helps us to succeed in everything that we do. Faith also, scripture says, helps us to trust each other. Faith also helps us to live in harmony, loving each other. This morning, I want to introduce someone to you, and his name is a doubtful believer. Doubtful believer. On the other day, a father came to Lord Jesus Christ with his son. And as he walked towards him, he saw his disciples there. And he came to his disciples and he asked his disciples, My son is going through a terrible time. My son is having a very tough time. You know, at times, you know, he's not able to speak, he's not able to hear. And at times he's thrown into the fire, he's thrown into the water, he foams. Can you help me? Can you pray for my son? And these disciples, they started praying for him. And it was demonic. That that demon did not leave him, 
And you know, he was so upset. Then Lord Jesus called him to himself. And he was asking what is going on, what is happening there. We read that from Mark chapter 9. Let's go to that scripture. Mark chapter 9, verse 21 to 25. Mark chapter 9, verse 21. So Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? Mark 9, 21. And often he has thrown him, and he said, so he asked his father, and he said from childhood, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. That was the request of the father. And verse 23 says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And listen to this. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It's so funny. I believe, help my unbelief. You know, doubtful believer. You know, we all believe in the sovereignty of God. We all believe that Jesus was born to a virgin. We all believe the work of Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. We all believe the miracle working power of God. We all believe that Jesus is going to come back to this world. But when it comes to our situation, we doubt. We doubt. Do you listen to this? We can believe in God. We know that He is the one who created heaven and the earth. And we know that He is a mighty God. We know He's a powerful God. He can do anything on the face of this earth. But when it comes to our situation, you look at the situation and you doubt your God. It happens to all of us. At times we are very good in believing God for others. But we are finding it difficult to believe God for ourselves. And this morning God is telling us, it's not very strange, this has been around. Moses doubted God. Gideon, he doubted God. Elijah, he doubted God. Jeremiah, when God called him, he doubted God. Even all the apostles, Thomas, they, they all doubted God. And it happens to us too. And this morning God is asking us to develop that character of faith. Develop that character of faith. You know, faith is a character that's missing today among believers. You know, that's the reason when something happens, we, try, we struggle to believe in God anymore. We try to walk away from God. We think that, you know, I tried all my level best, but things are not happening to me. I, there is no point in following this God anymore. We tend to walk away from God. This morning, God is asking us to develop that faith within us. That's most, the most needed for me today, and it is the most needed for you as well. Not having faith at times is life-threatening. Not having faith is life-threatening. You know, doubt is a struggle for believers today, not for unbelievers. They disbelieve, they don't believe in God because they outwardly deny God. But doubt is a struggle that you and I go through because we try to believe God and that's where comes the doubt. You know, when situations are really worse, we struggle to trust in God anymore and the doubt comes in our lives. Was it really the call of God? Am I really sure God called me to into this? 
Am I really sure that God called me to come to this nation? Or just I came on my myself? Or is it the place that God wants me to be? Or it is my own decision? You know, doubt is a momentary lapse of faith. When doubt comes in our lives, we lose faith for a moment. But you know what? As I said, it's life-threatening. Because we lose faith in the time which is most needed. When our faith levels go slow, go so low, the enemy is very clever to creep into our mind. And he throws confusion. He takes us to to, to, to wrong motives. He makes us to in, get into sinful things. Whenever faith is so low. You know, that's the reason it is very important that we need to maintain the level of faith because faith is life-threatening. You know, sometimes we lose faith. We doubt God because at times, you know, we have unexpected or, or unrealistic expectations from God. Sometimes we doubt God because we are so ignorant of the word of God. Sometimes we have a revelation, but that's not enough to take us further. And we start doubting God. But this morning I'm here to tell you, you know, when God is silent, that doesn't mean that God is not doing anything. When things are not happening in our lives, that doesn't mean that God is not doing anything. God is still doing God is still at work. If he is not working you with the employer, he is working in your life. If he is not working with the visa officer, he is working in your life. God is always at work. He is not silent. He is not silent. God is expecting us to raise that faith in God. Not to just give up for simple reasons, silly reasons. But God wants us to hold on to that faith because this is very, very important. How to develop the faith that we are talking about this morning? One of the spiritual, the seventh spirit, fruit of the spirit that the word of God is talking about by Paul in Galatians 4. KJV, as I mentioned, KJV puts it this way. He say, KJV says faith. Faith is one of the fruit of the spirit. The root word for faith is pistis. That means it's a conviction of the truth. Once we know this is the truth, we decide to follow. We decide to follow. You know, that's a good character of a child of God. Until you know, until the truth is revealed to you, your eyes are closed, you don't know what we are talking about. But once you know that it is a truth, jump into it. Stand for the truth. Live for it. That's what is faith. Hebrew 11 one says, that gives a beautiful definition for faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We have a great hope. Maybe for our future in this earth or in eternity, we have a great hope. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for. Faith is a substance that you visualize today of the things which are to come in your life and it is an evidence of things that are not seen. What is the evidence that you see today? Word of God. Word of God talks about those blessings in your life, which are on your way. Word of God talks about the eternity. We see those evidences today, all those things which are not seen. So faith is not just, you know, hoping for the best to happen. You know, sometimes we pray, Lord, I don't know, you just do your best, Lord. 
Faith is not just hoping for the best. Faith is an assurance that God will do it for me. Faith is a confidence that we have in God. You know, this morning God is asking us to develop that character. When it comes to our own matter, when we, instead of losing that faith, God is expecting us to develop that confidence. God is expecting us to gain that strength from his presence. Just want to give you a couple of scriptures here that may help us this morning. Faith is developing faith is nothing but having confidence in Christ. Let's read from Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Here Paul writes, he's saying that being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What is the confidence here? The confidence is in Christ Jesus you and I have our confidence in Christ. Not what we see today, not what was kept in front of us, but we have confidence in Christ Jesus because he's the only one who can, whom we can trust. And we have confidence that because he has begun that good work in our lives, he called us into this, what we are in today. He called us to work in, the work in that organization. He called us to work among children. He called us to work among sick people. Whatever the call of God may be, everything that we do today is the call of God, not only the pastoral call. Everything, if you are called as a nurse to serve in an organization, it is a call of God in your life. And the scripture says, Paul says, we have a confidence because that he has started this work in our lives and he will take us to completion. You know, that is the confidence. That is what is faith. That is what is faith. And this morning, you and I need that faith. Because if you don't believe in Christ Jesus, having a confidence in him, knowing that he will do everything for me, then what is faith? Then what's, why do we follow Christianity? God expects us to have that confidence in him. Secondly, developing faith is to know the craftiness of the enemy. So as I said, faith is a lifeline that Satan is trying to cut it off at any moment. Can you read from Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32? Luke chapter 21, verses 31 and 32. Now here we see Jesus praying for Simon. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Faith is a lifeline that the enemy is trying to get that. Jesus had to pray for Peter. Because Satan has asked permission to sift uh, Peter. But Jesus is praying here, Lord, help him to hold on to his faith. You know, if you ask today, Lord God, if you try to understand the mind of God, I believe that is the intercession he is making for you and me. Telling God the Father, Lord God, let him, let her not lose her faith. You know, if you don't have faith, God cannot do anything. Because everything is possible by faith, by putting our trust in him, only by believing in him. And if the moment we lose our faith, God cannot do anything, even though he's almighty, sovereign, all-powerful, but God cannot do anything if we don't have that faith. That's the reason Jesus said, mustard seed of faith. A little faith that God is expecting in us so that God can do something. And Satan is very clever. He's trying to cut that faith line get that lifeline so that we will be totally separated from God but this morning God is asking you to hold on to that in Romans 10 17 scripture says faith comes by hearing the word of God 
the only way we can increase our faith is by the word by listening to the word you know that's why scripture becomes so precious so important in our lives that's the reason you know when you hear such sermons it is it becomes very important in your life because the scriptures having an inherent ability to stimulate your faith and this morning before i close i want to take you to one of the prophetical books of habakkuk can we turn can you turn with me to habakkuk we're going to read from a couple of uh, scriptures from habakkuk now right now so let, let's turn to habakkuk chapter 1 can we get those scriptures if possible on the screen we are going to read from habakkuk chapter 1 uh, we 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 are going to read from verse verse 2 onwards it has three chapters so we are in habakkuk chapter 1 want you to listen to the story just a quick summary of what is going on here that will help us this morning Scripture says verse one says Habakkuk chapter one verse one. Then the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. So here we see prophet Habakkuk, and we see God Almighty, and God is showing him what is going on in Judea. Judea is the southern kingdom. The southern Judean kingdom is falling apart. they turn to be unfaithful to god in fact they are very much into the wickedness of the world now prophet habakkuk he has a question now to ask god and this is his question listen to me verse 2 habakkuk chapter 1 verse 2 oh lord how long shall i cry and will you will not hear even cry out to you violence and you will not save why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble for plundering and violence are before me there is strife and contentions arises therefore the law is powerless the law of the law of the lord and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround surround the righteous therefore perverse judgment proceeds so habakkuk is looking into the situation of the southern kingdom judea and the corruption and the ungodly things wicked things that are going on in this nation and habakkuk is crying out to god lord how long shall i cry his question is lord first question is why god is not doing anything he is asking god lord don't you see what is happening here in judea lord don't you look at what is going on here in judea why are you so silent why are you not doing anything that was his question his expectations i believe he expect Lord God to come down probably and kindle a revival among Judea or probably he is expecting God to send his judgment upon the nation either one of this that's what his expectation was that was the first question in verse 2 why lord you are silent why you are not doing anything suddenly it appeared there to be god is not doing anything that was his complaint that doesn't mean god is not doing anything god is doing something And now the Lord's reply comes in verse five. Lord, sorry, look among the nations and watch. So God is telling Habakkuk to look in the nations and see what's going on there. Be utterly astounded. You'll be really surprised when I want to do something among them, for I will work a work in your days. 
It's not later, but it is going to happen in your days. And what God is about to do, and he says, which you would not believe, though it were told to you. I didn't tell it because if I tell what I'm going to do, still you are not going to believe it. So that's the reason I'm not going to tell you. I'm not told you yet. And this is what I'm going to do. For indeed, I'm rising up the Chaldeans. Look at what kind of people they are. A bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceeded from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards. They are mighty people. They are wicked people. They are trying to possess all the lands. And God is telling, I'm going to raise Chaldeans against his own people. Habakkuk was already, you know, troubled in his heart because God is not doing anything. But now when God reveals what he's going to do, now he is about to ask the second question. And scripture goes on and on. It says, their charges charge ahead. Their cavalry comes afar. They fly as the eagle that hastened to eat. Verse 9. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like east wind. Habakkuk was confused totally. God, you are going to raise Chaldeans? Such a wicked people against your own people? Lord, they are ungodly nation. You are bringing them against your own people. They are uncircumcised. But why are you bringing them to the circumcised to destroy them? They are such a wicked, terrific people. Why, Lord, do you want to do that? And that takes him to the second question in verse 12. He says, are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O rock, you have marked them for correction. You know, Abacuc was saying, Lord, are you not from everlasting to everlasting? <clears throat> He's realizing the omnipresence of God. The eternal nature of God from eternity to eternity. O Lord God, my Holy One. You are the Holy One, Lord. They are such a wicked people. This is your holy nation, but unfortunately they are into wickedness. Why are you bringing that wicked nation into your own people, Lord? And he says, we shall not die. Lord, you have made a covenant relationship with your own people. We are not going to die. You know, that's the situation Habakkuk was in at that moment. And he says, you are of pure eyes then to behold evil. And cannot look at wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously? And hold your tongue when the wicked divorce. A person more righteous than he. Lord, you are bringing Chaldeans. They are not more righteous than your own people, Lord God. You are bringing that wicked nation against your people, Lord. Why are you doing it? That was the second question that Habakkuk was asking. And he is reaffirming as, you know, as we read here. God is sovereign. He's an everlasting God. He's the Holy One of Israel. He's a covenant-keeping God. He's reaffirming everything with God. You know, Habakkuk was in a sinking sand. He's living in his own confusion. But in the midst of all, he's still holding on to his faith. How he does that? He's reaffirming. He's declaring who our God is. You know, when you go through such a moment, the faith level comes up, 
when you start declaring the praises when you start declaring who your god is when you start declaring what he has done to the children of israel when you turn back to your past and see what god has done in your life and habakkuk was not in that level for a long time now if you go can go with me to chapter 2 he comes to a conclusion there as the lord speaks to him verse 2 says then the lord answered and said when he had all this question god said write this vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it and verse 3 says habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 for the vision is yet for an appointed time but at the end it will speak and it will not lie though it tarries wait for it because it will surely come it will not tarry it will not wait for a long time you may be waiting for a long time but it will happen god was encouraging him now verse 4 says behold the proud his soul is not upright in him but the just shall live by faith the just shall live by faith you know this becomes a key scripture when habakkuk was in that situation god spoke these words and that is echoing in the new testament in romans 117 galatians 311 and in hebrews 1038 we see the same scripture everywhere the just shall live by faith this morning god is trying to rekindle that faith within you you know you may be discouraged you may be disappointed but in the midst of all just want god wants you to declare who he is you know when we don't understand the circumstances god expects us to understand our god you may not understand the circumstances that in which we are today but this morning god is expecting you understand your god because we know about our god we don't know about our future but we know about our god you know that's what god is retreating to habakkuk this is what you need to do and habakkuk you know here he comes with a you know mighty mighty strength he received from his uh, from the presence of god and he is just ready to face a challenge in his life if you can come with me to habakkuk chapter 3 verses 17 to 19 i would call this section as a declaration of faith Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17 he says though the victory may not blossom that's not real victory never stops blossoming right some of us some of uh, our people who visited garden of gethsemane right they come and tell that the victories of jesus christ is still there still producing they never stop blossoming though the victory may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines no it will not stop it will not happen never it happens and he says though the labor of the olive may fail no it doesn't fail if you put manure and if you do all these things what you need to do for olive tree it will produce its fruit no it's not going to fail at all and the fields yield no food how is it possible no it's not possible at all every year the field is going to produce what it's supposed to produce though the flocks may be cut off from the fold now how is it possible you have herdsmen and we have shepherds all over they are all protecting their flocks wolf cannot come and take the flocks away no it's not possible it's, it will not happen and there be no herd in the stalls where are they how is it possible no they are all there they are all there and he says 
they are all natural thing but yet i will rejoice in the lord these are the things that happen to everybody but it doesn't happen in your life that doesn't mean that god is not at work no because you know your god you know your god he works on behalf of his children and habakkuk says even though all these are not happening yet i will rejoice in the lord i will joy in the god of my salvation that is the faith that is the faith children of god god doesn't want us to give up for simple things no no way habakkuk is teaching a great lesson here he did not understand the situation but he very clearly understood the god i understood his god this morning god is asking us to walk into that realm of faith shall we close our eyes hope you are blessed by this teaching please write to pastor balan swaminathan at balan@hipm.org at god bless you